The great day dawned. The English captains chosen by their admiral to witness the celebrations were gathered, hats under their arms, at one side of the magnificent royal dace put together by the harassed royal carpenters. Above, unseen in a much flimsier, hastily constructed gallery, Anna stood, with her fidgeting choir boys, in the breathless heat. The central hall of the newly built palace had a vaulted ceiling, but with this crowd there was nowhere for the heat to escape. Anna tried to breathe through her mouth, nauseated by the odour of wet paint. Still tacky were the Chinese scenes painted in mural around the smoothly curved walls. The palace wasn't completely finished, but the king and queen leading the huge crowd below had declared that it would house the celebration, and so it was. As she dared a glance downward, Anna wondered if the great waxen figures of Admiral Nelson, Sir William Hamilton and Lady Hamilton, the latter wearing a heavy purple gown embroidered in gold with the names of all the ships that had fought in the Battle of the Nile, would melt before the festivities ended. Presently, the crowd stilled, pressed in an enormous circle well back of the royal family and the three who were to be honoured. Anna looked right and left as their accompanist softly plucked a note on her harp. Anna began to sing, her choirboy companions filling in the harmony. The crowd below hushed, many faces upturned. The English captains, broiling in broadcloth coats, their necks swathed with cravats and their feet encased in heavy boots, listened or endured according to their personalities. Henry Duncannon was one of those who listened with deep appreciation to the pure young voice that floated down as if from heaven. If he shut his eyes, he did not see the glisten of still-drying paint in the vaulting overhead, or not quite hidden evidence of the scaffolding that held the unseen singers between earth and sky. He gazed through his lashes at the serene blue unwilling to move as the golden voice soared and drifted, borne upward by fellow angels. But he could not completely give himself over to the music. He knew he ought to set about locating his wife. There would be no getting near either of the Hamiltons this evening, so how would he find the girl in this great crowd? He had come determined to make certain Jones had gained her understanding concerning their annulment, before the fleet was ordered out again. But there was no moving, he discovered, and so he tried to give himself up to the music again.